On today's episode, we're discussing how to eat according to the six tastes of Ayurveda, how to support our digestive health seasonally, and when is it the best time to have a big meal. I'm Maria Geller, an Ayurveda medicine health counselor, Hatha yoga teacher, and a wellness coach. Welcome to Unleash Your Super Self, the podcast that explores self-care practices to support your journey to health, happiness, and personal transformation. Namaste. Welcome back. This is Unleash Your Super Self, Episode 4. Eating Ayurvedically means to provide proper nourishment to all the different systems of the body-mind in a way that provides stable and durable digestion, mental peace and clarity, physical strength and stamina, durable health, vitality, and immunity. It means to eat to maintain balance in the body-mind. And if it so happens that we're out of balance, to eat in a way that helps to bring the body-mind back into balance. Eating Ayurvedically means to eat consciously, mindfully, with total awareness and presence in the moment. It means to carefully consider food choices and to create delicious and nutritious meals, which help to experience joy. I always think it's funny to consider that fact that my ear is just made up of the food that I eat. I mean, that's all my ear is. That's all your ears too. It's just the food and beverages that we consume. The building blocks of our body and its systems and organs and all the tissues consist of nothing more than the food and water that we consume. Quite literally, we are what we eat. Let's also consider a fact that before we buy our food from a grocery store, before we place the vegetables and the fruit into our refrigerators and grains and legumes on the shelves in the kitchen... Food seeds get planted into moist soil, water hydrates the plant, and the sunlight nourishes the plant, and in return, plants grow and produce food that we consume. The sunlight, water, earth, space, air are all present and work together in this process. These are the same elements that also make up nature, the trees, the earth, the rain, the sun, the moon, the sky, the wind, the stars, our universe, our bodies, minds, and souls. I interpret this phenomena as both a scientific process and a highly intelligent process at the same time. There's this beauty and grace in knowing and being aware that there is this mystery or universal intelligence or the cosmic consciousness that connects all of us in every way and it can be perceived through its manifested forms that we know to exist and through the spiritual heart through the sensation of knowing it's an intelligent life force that comes to life through us through its objects we see it we experience it we just know it because it exists The process of cooking and eating is considered a ritual or an act of devotion to self, capital S. We chant prayers or mantras while cooking. We light candles while preparing a meal. This is a way of expressing gratitude, sincere faith, and devotion. And in this practice of gratitude while cooking, we give our food good energy for proper digestion and assimilation and quality nourishment. 
in honoring this infinite life force in our food, we also honor this infinite life force in our mind, body, and heart. Just like our mind-body constitutions are made up of the five elements, the food is also made up of the same five elements. So in the body, the elements are organized by their functional principles, vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is ether and air. Pitta is fire and water. Kapha is earth and water. They're also further distinguished through 10 sets of opposite attributes or qualities, such as hot or cold, rough or smooth, heavy or light, stable or mobile, sharp or dull, and the list continues. Here's what the same five elements in food would look like. Earth would be root vegetables, mushrooms, seeds, nuts, grains. Water would be juices, milk, juicy vegetables such as cucumbers or tomatoes, juicy fruit like watermelon or oranges, so on. Fire would be hot pepper, ginger, garlic, onion, very sour fruit like lemon and grapefruit. Alcohol is considered to be a fire element due to its sharp nature. Air would be raw leafy greens and rough vegetables such as broccoli. Certain beans fall into this category like chickpeas, nightshades like potatoes and eggplants and tomatoes. Ether is fresh vegetable juices, alcohol, tobacco. However, in the kitchen, we organize a meal according to the Ayurvedic principles of the six tastes. When I'm in my kitchen, the only time I add fire to my dish is when I splash a dash of chili pepper flakes or hot sauce. I don't really reference a meal in terms of the elemental structures. I don't say, let me add a little earth or air to my dish. Although I could, technically, I guess. I say, let me add some sweetness, some salt, something spicy. A well-balanced Ayurvedic meal aims to include all six tastes. Sweet, salty, sour, pungent, bitter, and astringent. So here's the breakdown of how the five elemental principles are organized into the six tastes. Sweet is earth and water. Sour is fire and earth. Salt is fire and water. Pungent is air and fire. Bitter is air and ether. Astringent is air and earth. Sweet food or sweet taste exists in milk, honey, rice, wheat products, sugar, dates. Sour taste is present in yogurt, sour cream, vinegar, sour fruit, sour limes and lemons. Salt is present in rock salt, like Himalayan salt, sea salt, table salt, or anything else that you can taste salt in. Pungent is common in spices like cinnamon, mustard, 
ginger, onion, or garlic. Bitter taste is present in bitter herbs, in coffee, or anything that tastes bitter. Really dark chocolate can also taste bitter. Astringent taste is that taste that has both the moist and the drying sensation on the tongue. It's present in raw vegetables, pomegranates, split peas, bananas. And of course, the 10 sets of opposite attributes or qualities, such as the hot and cold and the rough and the smooth and the dry, oily and dull and sharp are also used to further define food. All six tastes support a specific system in the body-mind constitution. Too much of one taste can cause a dosha imbalance and create a disease. Not enough of a certain taste can also cause a dosha imbalance and create a disease. If a person is already experiencing certain conditions in the mind-body constitution, I would look at what this person is eating and drinking first, as food can be both. It can be supportive of our health or cause a disease. It's possible that a person may be not eating enough in quantity or quality of food can be bad or food combinations can be poor. A person could be emotionally overeating. Foods can contain toxins or synthetic hormones. Food choices can also be improper for a person's constitution. It's important to know what doshic imbalance is in order to make appropriate adjustments to meals. If we're looking to decrease weight, we may need to consume less sweet, earth, and water tastes, and instead consume more pungent, astringent, bitter tastes, as they are lighter in weight and help to stimulate digestion. If a person is suffering from bloating and constipation, we may want to increase some sweet and sour and salty tastes to create more hydration and more heaviness. If a person is experiencing acid reflux or indigestion, this person should avoid pungent tastes, sour and salty tastes, because all these hot tastes increase the fire imbalance in the body. It's also important to consider the season we're in as well. Late winter into spring season, kappa season, the body is transitioning from cold winter months into hot summer months the heavier qualities of the spring season. Kappa season will be increased in the body as well. We may experience congestion, sinuses, allergies. All these cloudy and sticky and heavy qualities that are naturally present during late winter into springtime. When the weather begins to shift into warmer days, during this period, it's important to release the toxins that the body has accumulated over the winter season and also to prepare the body for the summer season, the pitta season. So during the spring season, we transition from the winter root vegetables and heavy textures to warm foods and bitter vegetables such as cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli. They help to facilitate the detox process. We include pungent spices such as ginger and garlic and turmeric as they help to warm up and stimulate digestion. Fruits such as apples, cranberries help to support the body-mind during this season also. 
The summer season, also known as pitta season, it will naturally increase the hot and the sharp and oily qualities in the body-mind, and it's important to counterbalance those qualities with cooling foods such as leafy greens, bell peppers, cucumbers, zucchini, sweet potatoes. Use spices such as basil or fennel and peppermint, fruits such as coconut or papaya, sweet oranges, cherries, coconut water. In the late fall and early winter, vata season, cold and dry and rough qualities will be increased in the body, and this can leave us feeling depleted. So it's important to begin to nourish the body with the warm and the moist foods and warm beverages. It's good to include beets and cooked carrots and warm green beans and squash and sweet potatoes. It's important to include heating spices such as black pepper and mustard seeds, ginger, fruit like oranges and apples and dates, avocados. As the temperature continues to cool and we transition into the cooler months, Ayurveda recommends to remove the heat accumulated in the summer season with a seasonal detox. Also, it's important to remember that we consume the food that is seasonal in the location that we are in, that it's seasonal to the location that we're in. In New York City, I can pretty much get any kind of food at any time of the year. So that makes it a little bit more complicated to try to remember what grows when. But it's important to eat local food. Ayurveda may include meat in the diet as part of a client's medical treatment plan to address certain health conditions. Otherwise, Ayurveda promotes a vegetarian diet. Drinking milk from a happy cow is not only acceptable, but is important in terms of supporting and building immunity. A happy cow is a cow who lives in your backyard or your neighbor's backyard, and she eats good quality grass. She's free to roam around and she receives love and attention and is treated with compassion. Also, the time of the day when the food is consumed is of significant importance. Breakfast should be eaten around 7, 8.30 a.m. It should be light. Just imagine that you have a very dim campfire in your stomach and you want to slowly rekindle this fire. Having a little bit of food can help to rekindle the fire after it hasn't been fed all night. Having a heavy breakfast with too much food can diminish the fire, just like piling up lots of wooden logs on a very dim campfire. Lunch. Lunch should be eaten around 12 to 2 p.m. The sun is at its peak intensity around noon and This corresponds directly to having the strongest digestive fire around noon. As the strength of the sun diminishes, the digestive fire slows down as well. Therefore, it's important to have the largest meal of the day at midday. The heaviest and most difficult foods to digest, such as grains, meats, raw vegetables, should be consumed around lunchtime. 
And then the smaller meal again at dinner around 5.30, 7 p.m. So that when you do go to sleep, your body has already digested your dinner. If your body did not digest your meal, it will sit, the meal will sit in your intestines overnight and create toxins that will later impact your mind-body constitution. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please use the information I have shared with you for educational purposes only. If you would like to try anything I have mentioned in this podcast, please consult with your doctor to make sure that the changes you make are in support of your health. If you would like to include the practices of Ayurveda in your lifestyle, please schedule a consultation so we can review your health history as well as your health goals. Next week, I will share with you a little bit of philosophy that I find really enlightening and inspiring. I'm truly passionate about this subject, and I look forward to continue to share this with you. Thank you for tuning in. I would love to hear from you. Please send any questions you may have or perhaps a topic that you would like to be included in future episodes to hello at mariageller.com. Talk to you next time. Om Shanti. Om Peace. I'm Maria Geller, and you've been listening to Unleash Your Super Self podcast. If you're interested in connecting with me or have any questions about my one-on-one offerings, please go to mariageller.com. You can also follow Unleash Your Super Self on Instagram. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next week for another Unleash Your Super Self episode. Thank you for listening. Namaste.